welcome to the GoTo Podcast. Each episode covers the brightest and boldest ideas from the world's leading experts in software development. Tune in for practical lessons, compelling theories, and plenty of inspiration. GoTo gathers the brightest minds in the software community to help developers tackle projects today, plan for tomorrow, and create a better future. Stay up to date with the latest in tech through GoTo's top-rated events held online and in person in cities like Amsterdam, London, Copenhagen, and Chicago, and by subscribing to the GoTo Conference's YouTube channel, where you can find thousands more high-quality dev talks. Learn more at gotopia.tech. Welcome to GoTo Unscripted. I am here at GoTo Copenhagen. Um, and I'm happy to be sharing some chats with you today about uh, some of the cloud topics. My name is Lorna. I work in developer relations for a company called Ivan. We do cloud databases. And I'm going to be chatting today with Holly Cummins. Holly. Thank you. I'm Holly Cummins. I work for Red Hat. Um, I'm a senior principal engineer in the Quarkus team. So basically, I help build Quarkus, which is kind of awesome. That is kind of awesome. <laughs> I am a big fan. Um, I saw your talk earlier where you were telling us about cloud chaos, and I especially liked your point that a lot of people who start with cloud get some kind of shock or surprise when they start those projects. What sort of things do you see people run into? Um, all sorts. Part of it is the cost, um, and, and there's two sort of challenging aspects with the, cl the cloud. One is the fact that it costs money at all, um, but the second is that the costs are much more difficult to manage than they perhaps were with on-premise, where it was a one-time investment, and then you had it, and then you didn't need to worry about it. With cloud, what we see is sometimes organizations um, find that their cloud bill is quite large and they didn't really know where it was going. Mm. And, and so then we sort of, I think probably everybody's had the experience that you get the email from you know, the, the department saying, yeah, we've looked at our cloud bills and we're a little bit uncomfortable with this. And we're particularly uncomfortable because we don't actually know what any of it is or if any of it is useful. And could you please look at what you've provisioned and if you're not using it, deprovision it. And it, it's quite a manual process which is sort of surprising because provisioning things is a very well-solved problem. You can automate it, you know, you can do it in just one click. Deprovisioning things, we're still kind of figuring out what the right way to do it is. You, you can do it in one click, but only if you remember to do it. That sounds really risky to me. Click here to delete all your servers. <laughs> well, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've, seen, um, I've seen similar things with auto-scaling, actually, where I think we have a a bias towards safety, which yes. is probably quite right mm -hmm. and, and, and proper. Um, but I was looking at it when I was considering sustainability. And ideally, you want something to be very elastic and it scales up and then it will scale down. But most of the auto-scaling algorithms have a, a tendency to scale up very eagerly because we don't want users to be disappointed. But they have a tendency to be reluctant to scale down because we don't want users to be disappointed. And so that's probably you know the right side to err on. But it does mean that we have this sort of inflation of costs and we don't really know why. And it's quite, it just sort of ends up being really difficult to manage and it ends up being really difficult to reason about because at a high level you can say, okay, well, this department uses this much, but then you suddenly end up in the weeds trying to like sift through. I, um, I was in a meeting once with a UK bank and the topic of the meeting was why are we spending so much on cloud? And it was a three hour meeting where we just sort of went through with their, I was a vendor, so they went through with their vendors sort of saying, no, 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 
what's this bit and what are we doing with that? And honestly, it was so boring. So yeah. we wanted to be polite because we were a vendor, but it was not the most exciting meeting I've ever been in in my life. But we don't, we're still trying to find that better way. And I do see those um, adventures of people scaling up and down. And I think there's some really good lessons there. You know, I saw a great talk uh, a few years ago about a company who were spinning up their developer platform just between eight and six on weekdays. And so that saves a lot of money, right? Because your mm. services are not running all the time. But also you learn all the ways in which your cloud services coming up in the wrong order can go wrong, which is brilliant for disaster recovery. And I think that move from we must keep the fires burning all the time and never allow the flame to go out to be like, oh, just to make another one. It's quite a big contrast. Is that something you see as well with the cloud change journey? Yeah, so I've seen both sides. So I've seen exactly as you say, some companies are getting really great results by, we used to have this mindset of we've got to get it up. And then once it's up, we're going to step slowly away and we're not going to touch it because we know bad things. And, you know, we, I think we all still remember that, like if there was a power cut, then the data center would take days to come back up and, you know, people would be having to like sort of caress the servers and, you know, like give them presents to make them come back up. And I think if you can get away from that mindset of fear to one of, GitOps may be a way to do it. There's, mm -hmm. you know, other sort of related techniques, but this idea of that we we have it as code, we we trust the automation, we we make sure that in order to have that disaster recovery, where if it goes back down, we can come back up, we go back down and come back up as often as possible. Because the sort of the rule for everything, well, not everything, but there's quite a lot of th things in IT, like releasing and like spinning up systems. It's like brushing your teeth. If it hurts, that doesn't mean you should brush your teeth less. It means mm -hmm. you should brush your teeth much more often. And it's the same for bringing systems up and releasing. If it's kind of painful and kind of horrible, that shows you don't have enough automation and, and it shows that there's maybe something that's a little bit broken. You are going to need that. So practice it now when it's not a disaster. And then in the ideal world, you get this sort of double win where you've got your disaster recovery, you've got your cost reduction, and as well, you've just hopefully saved a whole bunch of tedious work for some of your people. And I think the automation, we learn to trust it, and that does take time. But letting the machines handle, I would say, handle the boring parts mm. um, and just keeping us honest, catching things that are difficult for a human to see at review time. Um, but the things that we can check with machine, I think, is, is really valuable. And mm. I think there's a lot that we can do there in terms of the automation and picking the things that we really don't want to go wrong and looking mm. at how do we include them. Um, and I think you had a nice comparison about the two systems that worked perfectly, but one had changed in a way that meant it could no longer communicate with the other one. Mm. So is that the sort of thing that you see people, are we getting better at this as an industry or is it still something we need a bit more education for? I think we do still need, I think we'll probably always be pushing at automation. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sort of surprised now that there's, because computers are becoming smarter, there's things that we couldn't have automated a few years ago that we can now automate, which is, which is nice. Um, even simple things, like I, I was impressed in your talk when you were talking about Veil as a way of having linting, which is a concept that's so familiar to developers, but, but for pros, but having it be on the command line rather than having to, you know, fire up a word processor or something like that. And, and 
and it's I, I recently I've been working on a document and so I sent it out to the team for review and I'm normally a fairly compulsive proofreader and I was shocked at how many things came back of you you know you missed a letter here and you've got an extra the here and you know these kinds of things and I shouldn't be using the time of my teammates who are <laughs> highly experienced engineers <laughs> to <laughs> proofread and find my typos it should be something that was more automated and so if that's true for prose then it's definitely extra extra true for the problems in in your code mm -hmm. that you don't want your users to be finding it because if you yeah. if you don't have the automation in place if you don't have that quality in place then your users are going to be the ones that are finding the problems and they in the worst case they won't tell you they'll just yeah. leave yeah and or or you're seeing it in the logs you've already deployed it and then it's yeah. like oh there's a lot of red on the graph now it's, okay yeah yeah and then yes. that's when you need to have that, that ability to release quickly. So you don't want to go through what often happens in that case is either you, you know you can't go through the release process, so you do some sort of horrible hack and you SSH into the machine to do the patch because the release process is too painful, which is really bad. Or it takes several days of sort of spinning the wheels and getting the approvals to fix something that mm -hmm. ideally should be patchable quite quickly. Yeah, and I think I've been really lucky on the Docs platform that we're very just deploying continuously, just yeah. fix it review it, merge it, it's yeah. live, yeah. done. So the, the turnaround time is really quick. I think that's something that has changed over time, though, in the industry where at one time, like I say, we did everything to keep those fires burning. Mm. And again, it's that just deploy a fresh one. Mm. Does this new one work? Great, it's our live build now. Um, and seeing teams adapt to that, I think has been a big part of the cloud challenge. Yeah, we used to do such a lot of work to try and patch things and to try and find a way of applying a change to a live system in a way that wouldn't ruin everything. And now, because because we have the automation in place to allow us to spin things up so easily, we really can throw the old one away and, and bring up a new one. And it, it's so much easier and it's so much nicer and it's so much safe, safer. And then it, it can be quite beneficial for security as well, because then you have the I, I'm a bit nervous about that one. We'll throw it away, we'll get a new one. It's clean, it's uncontaminated. Yeah, and if it's just, oh, this one, you know, seems to be a bit low on memory. This one seems to be a bit unhappy. Like, let's just replace that node while everything else is running well. Mm. Um, but I think that's quite a, a difficult concept if that's not where you're from. But at the same time, these tools are here to help all of us. And so even the people who've been in the industry and are accustomed to doing it one way, I think for the, I, mean, I am seeing people adapt and find mm. their way and really embrace mm. some of the new, some of the new techniques. And I think, especially with all the different cloud services, like you mm. compose your application. So people are, they have to learn to trust third parties running some mm. of these things, not just, I can't see and touch the server, it's in imaginary space, but I am trusting someone else to run this service for me and to manage it. So we're doing managed databases. And I think that can be a leap of faith for modernization projects as well. It, it can, because it means we need to learn new techniques for, um, in, for things like debugging, for example, because I, I was talking in my talk about how all of us had the experience when we first ran something on the cloud, and then we wanted to get the logs for an instance that had died. <laughs> and you cannot get those logs, those in that instance is gone. So you need to sort of do a little bit of thinking in advance about, okay, what's my disaster recovery like? What's my diagnostics like? It works really well, it's just not the same as it used to be. And do you see good adoption of that, that people having better practices with log shipping or some of the open telemetry type tooling? 
I see, I see a lot of good intentions around open telemetry, mm -hmm. which I guess is, is better than the alternative of not even having any intentions. Um, but yeah, I'm always interested when I talk about open telemetry and I do a show of hands, how many people are using it? Because everybody's sort of nodding enthusiastically. Well, yes, open telemetry, yes, I'm completely on top of it. Am I using it? Well, no, not, not yet, real soon now. But that's the way of these things. There's always a bit of a lag between the standard being established and then the adoption. Do you think there are big barriers or is it just a matter of time? I think perhaps not for open telemetry in particular, but I think technology changes quickly. Mm. People and processes change slowly. And I think that's one of the things that is hardest about the cloud is trying to get those processes to change and to, to keep up. So for example, what you're talking about with we deploy without ceremony and without fuss, and we do it all the time because we know we can recover. A lot of institutions, you know, they just sort of start clutching the chair when they, when they hear that because there's a whole bunch of processes that were put in place to manage risk. And probably when we were pressing to CDs, they were a great way of managing risk. But now it's not about how many barriers you put in front of doing the thing. It's how quickly can you recover after a bad thing happens. And that's what improves your quality. That's what improves your user, user satisfaction. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of thinking about it. Like, what's the cost of having to redeploy? Because mm. yeah, I remember, yeah, burning to DVD and putting it on the courier on a Friday, and that, that you know, that, that was how we how we delivered the website or whatever it yeah. was. And um, and now, yeah, we would just, you know, small fix, make sure it's good, make sure mm. the tests all run green, and it's live in five minutes. Yeah, I don't even. I mean, I click the button in meetings. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the that's the barrier to release. <laughs> Yeah. is, you know, have I realised we need to do this? Okay, cool, go for it. Yeah, and I, I think that that's a, a good thing, really. It should be that you can have someone of fairly low competence and low attention doing your deployment and it's, and it's all okay. And again, I think the interesting thing about that is it sounds absolutely reckless and, and cavalier and how could you possibly have someone who is not particularly on the ball doing it? But actually, it's because it's so idiot proof that you can have idiots doing it and and I think it, it contrasts with what seemed to be this sort of very risk averse strategy of we're going to have a release and the release is on this day and we're going to have all of the things beforehand but what would happen is because you didn't want to miss that release date like I, I remember I used to work on Webster and we did not want to miss the release date because it meant that the feature you'd worked on for two years would have to wait another two years which is just Heartbreaking, right? I mean, what we want as developers, we want to make an impact. We want to have people using our stuff. We want to make people happy. And so then that feeling of you've just wasted it. So of course, you know, there'd be the push and there'd be the, okay, well, let's work evenings. Let's work weekends. Let's, let's work even more evenings. Maybe we could work in the middle of the night too. And of course, you know what happens to the quality, right? It's, yes. it's not like people produce better code at two in the morning after they've been working for two weeks solid. <laughs> so the first, the feature would go out and the quality was shocking and yeah. all the users would know that so they definitely wouldn't pick up the first release and mm. it's just it's not it's not a healthy cycle for anybody it's not and i think moving to cloud with that lower barrier of release has mm. given us room to get it right and also mm. i mean i remember release checklists that you had to first you know run the backup and then change the tape and then you know mm. run this and that and it needed a skilled person with mm. all of their wits about them um, and, and a good chunk of time. But now we've automated the things we care about. 
Mm. And so that release checklist, almost the machine does that. And it just prompts me like, no, this isn't green. Yeah. <laughs> you can't deploy this. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. Whereas, you know, some time ago, I'd have made that mistake on release day. Now mm. it's like, oops. Yeah, definitely. If, if you care about it, automate it. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really good advice. And it means that anything we can automate and that you know we talked about we, I, I have the pros linting i have some link checking and you know have we spelled everything correctly and it's just there in the process i don't think about it i push my branch it almost always fails the build on the first attempt <laughs> and and that's because the machine's on my side and, and making sure the quality is there thank you so much for the conversation it was really cool to hang out and talk cloud with you enjoy the rest of the event oh thank you so much Lorna. Thanks for listening to this episode of the GoTo Podcast. Head over to gotopia.tech to discover lots more content from the brightest minds in software development.